Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share episode number 64 of our podcast. I'm honored to be joined by Johnny Shelton. He's currently the chaplain for the Baltimore Ravens. An interesting note that you'll hear him talk about is there's only about four NFL teams that have a full-time chaplain that is a part of the organization. Most teams, the, the, the chaplains are from uh, local churches, FCA, athletes in action, but the Baltimore Ravens have chosen to have someone as a member of their staff, and I'm not sure you're going to find a better man than Johnny Shelton. He's got a long history of serving um, as a chaplain in various roles. He and his wife recently celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary. He's an incredible man of God, incredible man of character. I'm not sure you're going to hear somebody with so much energy and so much passion. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Johnny. Oh, man, uh, thank you for inviting me, man. You bet. So I always like to start off these episodes with some background information. Some listeners may not be familiar with who you are. So, you know, just tell a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and then your family today. Well, man, I um, I grew up, I just usually tell people I'm, a, I'm from the Midwest. There you um, go. Because I, I grew up in um, uh, a lot of different places in the Midwest, uh, coming from a single-parent home. It was my mom and my three sisters, and, and we moved around a lot, man, where there was family in between uh, uh, Illinois, Tennessee, in Missouri, uh, graduated, oh, wow. graduated high school in Missouri, went to college um, at Southeast Missouri State University, man, where I played football, uh, ran track for one season, and um, that's where I met my wife, um, my wife of, of 30 years, man. We just celebrated uh, 30 years of marriage. Uh, wow, last, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, man. Last week. And uh, we have two young adult children, um, a son, uh, he's the oldest, and uh, we have a daughter who just recently graduated from college. And so, uh, and they live in North Carolina. So, okay. yeah, and it's, um, it's been, it's been fast. <laughs> it's yeah, been, I bet. That's, yeah. That, is, that, yeah, that's. Fast. So let's talk about, you know, in this episode, we talk a lot about sports and faith. Let's go ahead and hit faith right out from the beginning. So let's talk about your faith journey. Did you grow up in a family of faith? And then at what point did you realize, you know what, I need a personal relationship with Jesus? Absolutely, man. I grew up, um, as I mentioned earlier, single, a single uh, parent home. My mom, you know, even though we moved around a lot, as I mentioned earlier, man, my mm-hmm. mom, from as long as I can remember, we were, we were in church. Yeah. Even, even though we moved, we were in somebody's church, man, on Sunday. And that's what I remember growing up. And, but I did not, I, I got, I gave my life to Christ when I was 12, week-long church, uh, week-long church camp, should I say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, man, and kids are going down, getting saved and, and, got to that last night and I realized I hadn't went down and I, and I gave my life to the Lord now. And I honestly believe I know now, I know that I did that just because I hadn't went Mm. down. It wasn't an earnest profession of Christ. It wasn't none of that. Uh, But I lived and that was at the age of 12. And from the age of 12 to my junior year in college, I lived that life. I realized at my junior year of college that I was living on my mom's salvation mm. and, and, and I, and I got down on my knees, man. And I, and I just uh, gave my life to the Lord. And that, that was my junior year of college. Uh, I was 21 years old. Wow. What a, what a story. And I think a lot of people, I know myself, I did what we call in a traditional small Baptist church in South joining the church you yeah. know, but I didn't know what it meant. And about four or five years later, I realized, you know what? I can't trust church membership or my parents' salvation. Yeah, that's such a common, common story, unfortunately, if you will. So absolutely, absolutely, we see it. We see it all the time. Uh, something that I, I can look back on now, and and I really appreciate my mom when I look at how she lived her life, and and she was a a walking testimony 
um, of, of what do you do and how you handle certain situations as a believer. Mm. And so I'm just so, you know, so grateful, man, that my, my eyes were open uh, to be able to say, you know what, you need that for yourself. Amen. So you mentioned in college, so let's talk about your college. You played some college football, um, at Southeast Missouri State. So how did you end up at Southeast Missouri State? Well, man, you know, coming, coming out of high school, um, you know, you go through that recruiting process and, and, and being a, and, and not being a believer then, or even thinking that I was a believer when I look back over my life, it was definitely a God story in terms of how I ended up there. Mm. I got, I got recruited. Um, I was getting in, in Southeast Missouri state is a, uh, the old one double a, uh, terms, uh, subdivision school. And, and I got offers from, um, other schools, University of Missouri, um, hmm. University of Illinois, and I didn't go there. Now, who wouldn't go to Division One school over one double A in terms of the 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 level? And um, but I, we were having problems at home. I wanted to stay a little closer to home, and uh, and so I ended up uh, going to Southeast Missouri State. And like I mentioned earlier, um, I, that's where I met my wife, who played. She played basketball. She was a local girl there, and she played, stayed home and played basketball right there. So that's where I met my wife. So I know why I, I stayed there, went there. Amen. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about your football journey. Um, and I'm sure every college football player's dream is to get drafted on draft day. So you did not hear your name called on draft day, but you did go through three different training camps. Talk about the process of attending an NFL training camp, having not been drafted. Well, man, it's, it, it's crazy. And, and, and this was back, this was back in 1988. So it was a long time ago. And, and when you look at that, the dynamics of it, it was a lot different than today's number one, it was a 12 round draft instead Ooh. of seven rounds. So if you just can imagine, today they think that the draft is long. Man, it was 12, <laughs> it was, it was 12 rounds then. And it, and it was crazy because um, I really didn't put that much stock in, in going. Uh, so the process really wasn't as, as serious as it is now. At least it wasn't <clears> for me because I knew what the chances were. Uh, I had already had a job lined up. And, and, you know, and so I, I really was just going to go through the process and just see how that landed, but it is a stressful, stressful situation. Um, it, it's, uh, it's long, it's tedious. And they tell you one thing, you hear other things. It's just so much stuff going on, man. But it was exciting at the same time, because you realize that not every person have a chance to, hmm. to go through that. And so, it was uh, very interesting, to say the least. I bet. I bet. So you go through three different training camps, don't make a roster, so you realize your career's over. Um, and then at what point after football did you sense God calling you to use your love for football into to ministry? Because you've served at, uh, as a team chaplain for several organizations. Um, you you talked about uh, when you and I talked on the phone a couple weeks ago, serving at Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So how, what led you to that? Well, even before the ministry piece, uh, one thing that I didn't tell you, there was a stint there where I actually worked for corporate America. I worked for, huh. yeah, I worked for Procter and Gamble. Uh, and, and I had mentioned earlier about the jobs that I had lined up. Uh, I worked with them um, for a long time. Uh, for a period of 10 years, but it was during, it was during that time when I was forming uh, uh, relationships and dealing in a leadership position, that's where God had really started putting me together, man, in terms of working with people. Mm. And, and I seen how I love people. Uh, I love relationships, building relationships. I love leading people. I love pouring into people. Um, you know, just guide them in the right direction. And so through that time, man, it all come to a head. My, my, my spiritual life, uh, I'm growing spiritually, man, by leaps and bounds. And so what happened was uh, Procter & Gamble, 
I took a job in North Carolina and they transferred me from California out to uh, North Carolina. And uh, that was the beginning of my, my ministry phase, should I say. Mm. And that, that's when I realized that God was really calling me to something in ministry. And so I started going to seminary at night while I was working. Uh, got back connected with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which I had really known about. And, and I got in contact with the people in the area in North Carolina. And things just started falling into place, man. And one thing led to another. And, uh, and I ended up joining staff, leaving Procter & Gamble when the calling really came to a head. I, I left Procter & Gamble and I started staff of Fellowship mm. of Christian Athletes in Greensboro, North Carolina. So that's okay. how the ministry part started for me. So how'd you end up at Virginia Tech from Greensboro? Yeah, man, that was a God thing as well. Um, you know, I'm on staff at in North Carolina, chaplaincy amongst college, uh, the college level was really, really growing. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and another story, so Coach Beamer was the coach at Virginia Tech at the time, and Coach Beamer recruited me out of high school to come play to come play with him at Missouri wow. State. Uh, but we ended up, I, I went to Southeast Missouri State and we was in that conference with them. But what happened was um, when I was in North Carolina, I was actually the chaplain for Elon University. Okay. And, and as I got a phone call late in the season, and this was 2008, Five, 2006, I got a phone call from uh, Virginia Tech asking someone to come do a chapel service for them. Mm -hmm. I, I did that, man, and the guys responded. Uh, it was just amazing of the response that we got from, from the players when I did the chapel. They invited me back again for the last game of the season, and I did another one. And at that time, that's when they told me that they were looking for a chaplain. And so I had no interest of going there. We were, I mean, we were fine. And you know how it is. That's the story. Oh, yeah. We, we, I didn't have any interest in doing it. And, and what I told them, I said, my wife and I will pray about it. And God will have to make it totally clear if, if he wants me to come to Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. And man, and, and it's crazy. You fast forward a couple months and it was January of 2007. Uh, we were in San Antonio, Texas, and and um, at a conference. It was a coaches' conference, and on the way back from that conference, um, Coach Beamer and I ended up sitting in the same seat on the airplane ride back. And uh, you can't I, make that up. You can't make it up. <laughs> you can't do nothing. And so for 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 about. An hour and 45 minutes, we were on a plane ride. He was on a plane talking. He shared his heart with me about, you know, the winds. You know, he said, Johnny, the winds are nice, but I am concerned about the character of my players. Mm. And it was at that moment when I seen, I said, okay, God, I see what you're doing. And, uh, you know, and, and things came around, man, and, and that's how I ended up, you know, at Virginia Tech. And that was 2007. So, I mean, you've talked a little bit about Coach Beamer. I mean, any college football fan knows the name Coach Beamer. So what was it like serving as a chaplain for a guy like that? Or maybe, let me ask it this way, is there a moment or two that stands out from your time at Virginia Tech serving as her team chaplain under a coach like Coach Beamer? Well, it, yeah, it's, it's so many moments. Uh, you know, but the thing – Here's the thing that stood out the 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 biggest to me uh, in terms of serving as chaplain of that football team, other than my when I first started, but with Coach Beamer, um, we were playing um, Boston College. Mm. Uh, it was in Lane Stadium, um, and uh, the quarterback was Ryan. Um, from from Boston College, they we were ranked three in the they were ranked number one in the country and we were ranked something, uh, man. And they came back 
we had them down. We had them, we had it. I mean, we had them and they came back on us and they, and they beat us with 11 seconds left on the Ooh. clock. He threw a, a long touchdown pass that beat us. And I can remember going into the locker room, dejected players, and I'm going through the crowd, and, and, and I look in the corner, and Coach Beamer is sitting there. And, man, he was so dejected. He was so – so that stands out to me because as a chaplain, you want to cover – you know, the players, the coaches. And, and I just can remember going up to him, laying my hand on his shoulders and just mm. praying for him. Uh, he was so dejected. He was so hurt. And, uh, but for, for, for some reason, and that was the beginning of my, my career there at Virginia Tech. And I know I said, man, you know what? We're here to serve. And wow. That, but that stands out to me a lot. I like that word, serve. That's a, that's a good one. So now, currently, um, you're the chaplain of the Baltimore Ravens. So how did you end up going from Virginia Tech then to the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, and that's another God story, man. Um, I can remember prior to coming here, and you know how you, you pretty much can if, – if you're – you can pretty much know – when your season is coming to an end in terms of an area uh, of ministry. And I can remember telling my wife uh, in 2011, I remember telling her, I said, I, I said, I can see us being here. I said, for some reason, I feel us not going to be here, but a couple, no more than two more years, because hmm. you can just see the dynamics of things going on. You can see, the players just taking ownership. You can see the mm. coaches taking ownership and, and things are really going really, really well without you being there. Mm. It's a sign of, of just knowing that things are going. And so I told her that. And then it's crazy. I get a phone call in 2012 from a, from a friend who was the current chaplain of the Ravens. His name is Rod Harrison. I get a call from him who happens to be a Virginia Tech alum uh, we got connected from a player uh, at Virginia Tech who had went to the Ravens, and we got connected that way. So he and I formed a relationship, and and he called me and he, and he told me he said, "Listen, the Ravens are doing something unprecedented to where they're getting ready to hire a chaplain to be on their staff." Wow! Versus being in a parachurch ministry like FCA and Athletes in Action. They're going to do something that no other team has done. And he said, man, I think you should be considered. You should put your name in the hat. He said, it'll be three of you guys go through the process. And I told him the first time I told him, I said, no, man, we're, I'm fine here at Virginia Tech. Don't want to leave. Um, and so waited a few months and, and he called me. Uh, well, we had a chaplain's training in Baltimore of all places. That's where I, our chaplain's collegiate chaplain's training was going to be, it was in Baltimore. And and he was our guest speaker. He meaning the chaplain for the Ravens. And uh, he, and then he mentioned it to me again. Um, only it was personal. You know, we were together and I said, uh, and I told him then I said, man, we'll pray about it. My wife and I will, we'll start praying about it, which we did. Um, one thing led to another man, and and uh, I said, okay, put my name into into the into the hat. Three people, um, we'll see how it goes. And um, and man, and and God just all in that because the two other guys that put put in for the position, uh, one was a former Raven who's in ministry now, um, and it was crazy. And I told my wife, I said, this is God. If they select me because the NFL is a tight, you know, fraternity. It's, it's really, right. really tight. And they believe in, you know, sticking with their own. And for the fact that they hired me over a former Raven, you know, that, that, that's a God thing. And so, and so here I am. Wow. So do any other NFL teams have chaplains on staff like yourself now? Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, since then, um, uh, the Buffalo Bills has has a chaplain. The New England Patriots 
They have a full-time chaplain. Uh, and I know a lot of people, when, when I tell people that, they're like, what, the Patriots? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but no, no, the Patriots have a, a full-time chaplain and, and God is doing some amazing things uh, in that organization. Um, and then there's one other team, the, uh, the Denver Broncos. Oh, very interesting. So I, you explained a little bit to me on the phone, but just kind of give a brief snapshot of your role with the team because, I mean, the season is 17 weeks, not counting training camp preseason. So, you know, what's your role um, in kind of in-season versus off-season? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question, man. Uh, you know, pretty much – you know, in season, man, it's it's a it's really a grind because everybody's their their mindset is it's on football, um, you know, and between practices, and so we're on a schedule, and uh, and so it's more. I'm really tied to where where I can meet with guys. My biggest mm-hmm. thing is one on one meeting with with the with the guys who are believers, so I can mm-hmm. pour into them, so that they can do you know do the same with their teammates. Uh, but you know, I, I do I do Bible studies with the coaches, uh, uh, six a.m. Bible study with the coaches. Uh, you know, it's early, and then I do uh, Bible study with the players. Um, and then we have during the season we have a couple study, uh, on, and that's usually on a Wednesday night. Um, and that thing has has been oh, it's it's amazing the, the amount of couples we have about. 22 couples that come to the to the couple study and you know so we have all those days and then of course we have chapel service on game day and so that that's those are the things that are scheduled along with the one-on-one meetings that I have discipleship meetings that I have with the with the believers and then in between all of those you you're fighting fires I call them I mean you got those things that come up um, emergencies and sicknesses, uh, mm-hmm. deaths, family, you know, those type of things, man, that, right. that just come up players that are unhappy about playing time and, you know, just relationship problems and, and all of those things that come up. Now those come up year round off season. It's a little different, uh, because we don't have those practices and all of those things. And then a lot of the players, most of the players will be gone away training uh, in the mm-hmm. month of in the month of at the end of January or February and in March. So mostly the month month of February, it's really like a a, a downtime for for me, and that's when I get my rest, and and that's when I go on vacation or or celebrate our anniversary, like my wife and I just did. And so February is really slow, but March. Now we're kicking it back in gear because we got the pre-draft. We got the combine. You have the the draft that's coming up. Players are coming back in town to start working out again. They want to be back close. And so now I get my my timing, my meetings, and all those things set back up with them individually. And then we'll do a, a little off-season Bible study or get, get together like that. And so so it's it's really not that much different. It's just that it's more flexible. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what's the difference in um, college chaplain versus NFL? Man, it's, it's no different. Uh, other than the level, uh, other than the level, meaning going from the college mm-hmm. level to the professional level, as far as the schedule, the, the football seasons are longer, but as a chaplain, players and the money that they have mm. that, that's the different in terms of issues but the, the other issues are the same the other temptations there's no different temptations other than the money for a college athlete versus a professional athlete all of those other temptations are the same that makes sense so in preparing for this, I, you know, I did some little research and I found an article and I'll post this in the show notes when we publish this from the Baltimore Sun that just kind of walked through what game day looks like for you. So kind of walk through what does game day look like for the team chaplain? 
Man, game day for me starts really early because that's when God really is speaking to me. Um, you know, our games on Sunday, most NFL teams have their chapel service on Saturday night. Hmm. We have ours four and a half hours before kickoff here. So um, it starts Saturday night where I have what's called a share time. And that's where we meet. Uh, a group of us will meet together. And I just really let give guys an opportunity to speak whatever's on their heart and share whatever's on their heart. It could be related to football, relationships, whatever's on their heart, man. And we really have an intimate dialogue discussion. And I'm there as a facilitator mm -hmm. to just pray if something come up. But really, they're talking, getting things off their chest, and and, and then we, we go from there. So that's when it actually starts for me because they, they are so powerful, man, that I hardly ever – I hardly sleep you know, going into Sunday. And, and, um, and so our chapel, so let's say it's a one o'clock game. Our chapel is as early as 7 a.m. Oh, wow. No, 7.30, 8 o'clock mm -hmm. is where our chapels are. And so that's when the game day start for me, man. I, I, like I said, I get two or three hours of sleep, man. I'm excited. And, you know, and we, and we will do a, I'll do a sermon based on a, a theme that we, that we have every year. And we do that chapel service. And, and then I'm talking to guys in the hotel, uh, you know, after the pregame meal. And then they're going into game mode. I'm going into to game mode in terms of how I just pray. I, I spend a lot of my time in just praying and then talking to guys here and there if they initiate it. And, and, and I just pray. I put myself in positions where they know they will, they will be able to find me. And, and then we're just talking. I would go out. I walk around the field. I pray around the field. And, um, and then we, we just go from there. And so we, we, we start every game with the – I'm praying with guys individually. And then we would do a team prayer, which I have appointed that. I will point that to a different player before every game, before we go out on the field. And then, of course, after the game, we pray. And basically, that's what it, uh, a game day will look like for me. One of the things I found interesting, I think it was in that same article, was one of the things that, that it mentioned was you even seek out the guys who find out on game day they're going to be inactive. You know, yes. and, and talk to them. And I found that to be very – I mean, that's just something you don't ever hear about or even really think about, you know. See, so like, Absolutely, man. And it's, 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 it's huge because the guys themselves – won't find out that they're inactive. So it, so there's 53-man roster. And and out of the 53-man roster, each week there's going to be six, seven guys that are inactive, meaning that even though they're on the 53-man roster, they don't dress that game. And so they don't find out until they get to the stadium after they've ridden the bus over and they will get to the stadium and when they go to their locker, they will find out that they're not playing. Wow. That's when they find out. And so it's devastating, especially to, to, to younger guys. Uh, they're like, man, we didn't, we didn't know this happened. Like, I made the 53-man roster. You mean to tell me I'm not dressing today? And so I'm just there, man, just that support to encourage them and, uh, in whatever way it is and, and, and having a relationship with them. Uh, helps. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's huge. I, that's just what the one thing that really stuck out to me that, cause I just never heard anybody talk about that. I mean, I've yeah. heard about, I know some guys that, you know, have been through that and been made inactive, but you don't ever hear about, you know, the, their emotions and the role of the chaplain in that. That's huge. Oh man. It's, and you know, and another thing Stu, that, that um, stood out to me when the first year that I got here, when you talk about pregame, and being available. One particular player, my, my, my first season here, it's the year after they won the Super Bowl. Mm. And, and I'm in the locker room. And this kind of blew me away because of the things that an NFL player goes through on game day. You, you think that they would be preparing for the game mentally. 
But man, they're going through so much stuff with family. Mm. They're, they're, they're going through things like, uh, man, did I have enough tickets for people? And this stuff is going on in their mind and they're actually preoccupied with things like that. Family issues, serious, serious family issues that I'm talking with this player about before he's getting ready to play. We're getting ready to play. the. Uh, it was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rival game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at his locker, coaching him through, ministering to him about issues that's going on in his family. You're looking at, we're, we're talking about an hour before kickoff. Wow. And it's amazing that the things that, that's on their plate uh, before they're playing a game. You know, a lot of people forget that they're human too. That's right. And have lots of issues as well. I mean, just like we all have issues. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned the player there. The next question I want to ask was, you don't have to name names, but in your time, whether it's at uh, Elon, Virginia Tech, they're at the Ravens, that a, a player that's really stood out to you where you've really seen God work through you in their life? Oh, man. I, uh, I, we, this, this can last for three podcasts. Uh, <laughs> I bet, I bet. It, it's, so, it's so many stories, but, but the one – that stand out to me. There, there's two that stands out to me. One was at Virginia Tech, where there's a there's a player who he came into my office and um, and he and he sl- kind of slammed the door. He's never come to my office before, but he came into my office um, and he said, he said, I've been watching you for two years, and he said it like in a angry voice like I've been watching you for two years and I said man I I said uh I've been praying for you for two years you know and and kind of just a rebuttal to to what he was saying but what he what he said was he said you don't you you don't fit the mold and I said what do you mean he said you don't fit the mold of a preacher Mm. I I said tell me what do you mean he said man you're he said, you're laughing with everybody, you're talking, you're, 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 you're connecting with everybody. He said, that's not what I'm used to. And, you know, I got, and I've been watching you, and, and I've been just waiting for something to, 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 to don't add up. He said, it don't add up. And, um, and I said, man, it's okay. And, and, and come to find out, this young man had experienced some serious church hurt. Mm. And, and the ministers and the pastors that been in his life, he's seen some, you know, public sin, you know, he, he just seen them, you know, and I, and I, and I try and I explained to him about just, you know, being a man of God and what that means and, and how we all fall short and, and the things that he may experience is unfortunate and, and come to find out, man, that was the beginning of a, an amazing relationship that stands really strong to this day. Wow. So, so that's one thing that stands out to me on the, on that, on the college level. And then on the, and on this level, um, a former player here who's now with another team as well. I just seen him two weeks ago at a conference that was given uh, with uh, it's called PAO professional athletes outreach. And this guy here grew up in the church but he got to the league and fell off. Uh, and, and I, day after day, I, I, he used to come to my office week after week. And pr- I'm praying with him and I'm doing things with him and talking with him. Well, he never rededicated his life to Christ while he was here. But he tapped me on my shoulder at this conference just two weeks ago. And to see him at that conference... I was so blessed, man, by seeing him at that conference. It just, it was amazing. And not only that, the last day of this conference every year, we have baptisms. And he came up to me and asked me would I baptize him and his wife. And and so I had the honor, man, of baptizing him and his wife, you know, at that conference a couple of weeks ago. Wow. What a what an incredible testimony, too, just to being faithful of, consistency, loving on yep. somebody, praying for somebody, encouraging them. And you never know when, when that light bulb is going to click. That's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
You've mentioned your wife and celebrating a big anniversary recently. So, I mean, this job is a lot. So how do you balance your job as a team chaplain with being a husband? Oh, man, look, again, we've been doing it for a while now. But my wife is right there. We 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 do ministry together. Uh, we start out. She she's like a, you know, just like I have different hats. Some I'm a dad to some, a big brother to some, an uncle to some. I mean, she's the same way. She she's mm. a, the mother. She's a mother to those to those to those young ladies, uh, mostly. You know, because they our kids are their age, right? And, and, and she looks at them as our daughter and she's loving on them. You know, we invite them over out to over to our house. So ministry's going on, uh, even outside the walls, everything's not happening here in the facility, you know, and she, she will go to the, to the women's Bible study, which started. And then she just ended up being just there, her presence and she's babysitting and, She's doing all these things, just helping out these young women, just counsel, you know, counseling them. And, and it's just been amazing. She's done that. And here's, and here's what our prayer was when we first got here. We wanted to disciple them in such a way to where we can reproduce, give up, you know, to where they can take this thing and, and, and run with it. And that's exactly what has happened. And so over the last couple of years, uh, the, the women are running their bi- their own Bible study now. The couples study, which me and my wife started out doing, the, 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 the players and their wives are leading the Bible studies. We, we go if we want, but they're leading the Bible studies now. And so it, it's just been a, an amazing journey to see how they've taken ownership and, and now they're starting to minister. And, and my wife and I, we just be intentional about pouring into them so that they can, you know, they come over to our house, we eat dinner with them, you know, we do whatever. They just come and hang out, get away. They bring their kids over. And, and so we're, we're literally like grandparents almost. That's awesome. That's good. Cause I mean, you know, talking about the players have issues. I can't imagine the wives. Oh, I mean, most oh. are away from home, probably some for the first time. And, their husbands during the season is gone all the time. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's been a blessing. Yeah. So when we talked on the phone, uh, you also shared a little bit about, you have a huge heart for inner city ministry. And, you know, we talked about the Baltimore, I mean, there is a huge need for that. So talk about what that looks like for you, because I mean, you've outlined a lot of the role of being the chaplain for the Ravens. So I, I'm not, seeing a lot of free time, if you will. So, I mean, what does that ministry outside of the facility look like for you? Well, man, I'm going to tell you, uh, the Ravens, the organization as a whole is a blessing. Um, they they see the need, number one. Mm. And so the platform that the organization and the players have in this city uh, is an amazing opportunity. And so, my my passion for inner city ministry it just go hand in hand, and then of course we know the national needs uh, that that has happened here in Baltimore, and so we've been really intentional, and the Ravens has been uh, behind uh, me one hundred percent, and so the players, I I go and I've developed relationship with the schools, uh, mm. and the school system. And and we go into the schools and 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 literally have an opportunity, man, to use our influence. And so players are walking alongside us, you know. And so the, the the players are coming alongside us. And so the players on their off days is which is during the season is a Monday. We will go around the city and we will do things. We will partner with schools. We will partner with other organizations. And we just go and minister. Um, wow. December tenth, we 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 partnered with uh, an organization called Samaritans Feet, and and what they do is they they wash feet of young children, uh, and then give them a pair of shoes, new pair of shoes. And so we did that. Uh, it was about twenty players um, and their wives and girlfriends, and we went to a local middle school, elementary school, 
and we wash their feet. We serve them. We wash their feet and put a new pair of shoes on their feet, man. And it was a blessing to us like none other. And so that I can imagine. Yeah. And I can only imagine the impact of a NFL player going into a school and washing a kid's feet. I mean, what a, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what Jesus did to the disciples, but I can only imagine a community where NFL players are idols to many, yeah. Yeah. you know, to have them get down and wash the kid's feet, man, that's powerful. Yeah. That's and incredible. Also, yeah. And also it was a local high school, their, their whole athletic department, high school students as well came with us. The schools that we go into, those high school student athletes, they came and washed feet as well. So they're local high schools that know these young people as well, personally, and washing their feet, man. So it's, it's a powerful thing. So those are the types of things that God has allowed us to do. Wow. That is, that is powerful. So now I want to talk a little bit about the role of sports in our culture. I mentioned in our intro, but I'll say it again, that as an organization, we all in sports outreach, our mission statement is, is we basically in short exist to share the hope and the power of the gospel, but promote unity and racial reconciliation as well. We, we added that to the end of the mission statement because our culture is very divided. Um, whether it's by race or socioeconomics or religion or politics, but you know, we see sports is one of the very few things that no matter where you go in this country or around the world, it brings people together. So, and you, and your long time, whether, you know, as an athlete, um, and now as a long time chaplain, how have you seen that really come to fruition through sports and kind of tearing down some walls and bringing people together? Well, man, it's, uh, uh as you mentioned, uh, it's, it's a miracle. It's, it's, it's the one thing, like you said, sports, without sports, just me personally um, interacting with, with opposite race, mm. uh, it, 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 it allowed that to, to, for me to be able to do that because we, we, it breaks down the walls of race. It breaks down the walls because we all are, we're loving this game of football and to where it teaches us how to come together if, if that's a problem uh, and, and come together for a common goal. And so I've seen that my whole life and, it, and it's been a blessing, man. And, and we actually here with the Ravens, we intentionally talk about, especially since uh, uh, a few years ago when the unrest was here, we, mm-hmm. we strategically and intentionally got the, our teams together, the players together, and we had dialogue about race and man and the and the and and it's been it's been phenomenal players literally standing up and saying man if it wasn't for football i wouldn't be talking to the opposite race wow yeah if it wasn't for football and since and and they're so thankful the fact that they are an athlete to so that they can have the opportunity and they would have been missing out and they realize that and so it has definitely bridged the gap all over this country, man, in terms of what sports does for that. That's amazing. I think that open dialogue is what we're often missing. Yes. Yes. And they love it, man. It, it's, it's good to see them sit down and participate. In it. And it's good to see over the course at the beginning of the meeting, how you get to see guys kind of, kind of uptight to where toward the end of the meeting, you can just see the harmony and you can mm. just see how everything just comes together, man. It's so, so good to see. That's awesome. So you've talked about obviously the platform that athletes have. You've kind of mentioned that about them being involved in the community. So athletics is a platform that can be used for good or for bad. And a lot of our listeners are student athletes and and coaches at the middle school, high school, college level. Um, so, and it's not an easy time to live out your faith, especially in the public arena. So what advice or encouragement would you offer someone, uh, an athlete or a coach that wants to be bold in their faith, but may be struggling in that area? Well, the thing that pops up into my mind, I think about, I think about the parable of the talents in, uh, mm. in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew and in, in it talks about how these three different servants was, was given um, a bag of money, which they ironically, they call talents. 
Mm-hmm. And and they basically just was set out to say, look, I've given you this. Bring me back uh, what I've given you. And, and so that right there kind of carries over to the athletic field. God has given each one of us a different uh, capacity of talent. And, and he's given us gifts and talents according to our ability is what the Bible said. And, and the one guy in that story that didn't do what, what he was asked to do, he done it because of fear. Mm. And, a of, and a lot of time we as athletes and, and coaches and no matter where we are, we let fear stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And I think of that uh, scripture, Colossians uh, 3.23, that tells us everything that we do, do it wholeheartedly or with enthusiasm unto God and not to man and not for man. And so we need to understand that God has given us this uh, a, a certain ability, this certain task for us to do. And we have to go out and live out our ministry, regardless of what that is. And we don't have to be afraid you know, of other people because mm. we're not doing it for other people. We're doing it for the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's good. So is that, you know, a lot of people have a, they call it a life verse or favorite verse. Do you have a scripture that is kind of your go-to or is there one that God's shown you recently is using your life that you would share and encourage us with? No, my, yeah, my life verse is very easy. It's a uh, Proverbs 423. And and right there it says, above anything else, guard your heart. Amen. Because out of it flows the issues of life. And that's my life verse for so many reasons. Uh, but but just to be short and brief, it's our heart. And when we allow certain things to get into our heart, those are the things that are that's going to drive our life. And so for me. I can remember growing up, man, just, you know, being a, being a, a son of a, a, of a single mom. And, and I, I see how I allowed certain things to get in my heart. And I grew up with frustration and anger and certain things that came along from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fatherlessness, uh, uh, this, that, that spirit of abandonment, you know, struggling with that, allowing that to get into my heart. Understanding that there's certain things that we allow to get in our heart and and you got to understand that this come from Solomon, who who's at the time, he's the richest, the wisest man alive. And he says, above all else, guard your heart. Right. That's good. So when you look at that, that 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 verse right there, man, guides it guides my life because that makes me be aware of what I'm watching. Be careful what you're listening to. Uh to allow that to get to penetrate in your heart. Because if you do that, your actions will follow what you allow to get in your heart. Wow. Well, that's good stuff right there. That's a, that's what I need to um, think on every morning, you know, as I get ready to, to head out for the day that just uh, always guard my heart. That's a good one. Last question. First two words in our organization, all in, you know, it's, it's, all over sports, mm-hmm. um, that, that term. But what does that look like in your walk with Christ, your daily walk with Christ? What does it look like for you, Johnny Shelton, to be all in? Dying to myself. Mm. All in to me is uh, Luke 9, 23, where it says I, I, have to, I have to deny myself, pick up my cross daily, and follow him. That's what all in is to me. That's good. That's good. Hey, I really appreciate your time. I can have, I take lots of notes when I record these and I may have set a record for the most, um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of good stuff here. I mean, you know, just talking the sports, but just how God is, is using you in the Baltimore area with the Ravens. Um, but I just go back to the, just the one thing that just blew me away was just the, the visual of players washing the feet. If we all would take that mentality, maybe not literally wash feet, but just that sign of humility. That's, that, that's incredible. Oh, for sure. Well, I man, appreciate thank, your time. Hey, thank you for having me, Stuart, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate what you're doing through this ministry and just really reaching out to the masses, you know, of people that 
who who wouldn't otherwise listen to to something like this. And this is all through sports. So I thank you for being obedient, man, to the Lord. And and I wish you all the best, man. And, and, and please know that we'll be praying for you in the ministry as we move forward. Awesome. Wow. I'm not even sure where to start in wrapping this up. I've got two full pages of notes. So much stands out in this conversation with Johnny. I I hope you got a glimpse just into his passion for for Christ and serving others and um, just making Christ known and pouring into athletes and and just hearing the heart that he and his wife are in this together, serving together, just everything they do is a ministry. But I think the highlight for me was when he talked about recently um, taking out some of the the guys from the Ravens to serve with Samaritan's feet there in Baltimore into public schools and washing the students' feet and giving them brand new shoes. What an incredible picture of Jesus. I mean, Jesus modeled that when he washed the disciples' feet. And so I, I just I just think that is amazing to share that and just to picture NFL guys, which our, our culture puts them on such a pedestal and they're down serving the feet of students in a local public school in Baltimore. What if we all had that same attitude of imitating Jesus everywhere we went? And then his scripture he shared is one that I think is important for all of us. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. And then he closed it out by talking about dying to self, denying ourself and following Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. What? There's so much in this episode that I could, I could spend 20 minutes on the conclusion and trying to wrap this up. But those are the highlights for me. I, I know you were encouraged, and I just ask you to share this episode with family and friends. I know um, there's many out there that can be encouraged by Johnny's passion, Johnny's story, Johnny's testimony, and just his, his encouragement to you and to me. And I know I was changed by talking to Johnny. I hope you were too. I, I, I go over the notes from this episode several, several times already and, I, and continue to because there's so much to learn from this. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and uh, come visit us on our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. We'd love to hear from you. You can find an opportunity to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. The last thing I ask is to go to iTunes, leave us a review. The more five-star reviews we get, the greater the platform that God continues to provide to, to point people to Him through media. Thank you to those that subscribe and listen to us faithfully. If you're a first-time listener, thank you as well. But I would ask you, if this, if this episode encouraged you, there's 63 other episodes out there that I would encourage you to go back through when you have some time. And also click that subscribe button. Thank you again. We appreciate your encouragement. We appreciate your prayers.